Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. are not gonna just oops and then my bosoms fall oops, out oops my bosoms oh no they're just sitting here like little teapots did we bring up Madonna no I brought Madonna on the spawn stream I was gonna say did we bring up Madonna twice on the show already we didn't never oops, mind my hello my bosoms fall out yeah we're talking about a league of their own I will always talk about a league of their own <laughs> what if we did a league of their own with fairies oh my god they'll just be able to fly from base to base I would watch or Winnow, it. I guess. Uh, I would watch. Ooh, I would watch, watch Illyrians play baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're crossing with Twilight again. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! God damn it! Twilight just like creeps its way into everything. Mm-hmm. Get out of my brain, it Twilight! Really, just as Mormonism does. Ew! It gets into every facet of your body, every Ew. crevice. I want many wives. Welcome to uh, deep dives with. Akatar with Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Yeah, man. Faybays, get down. And of course, Ryan is also here with us. Big thank you to Ryan for all of his work with special effects and having to be in the room with us while we're doing while we're, this. While we're adjusting awkward. our breasts and he's doing he's very really good. respectful. He's very nice. Um, <laughs> so I did great. ask if I had so much breasts that it was offensive. He did say no, so I appreciate that. Did he really have a choice, though? <laughs> yes. Okay. He always has a choice. Choice. All right. Well, <laughs> that's what Jackie says. So. Um, oh, man. This is another. We're just. This is so hard to not have long episodes because I'm so thrilled to talk about all of it. And I want to get all the details of the story in, but also give the little. Our insights so Of course. You guys are just going to have to fucking listen to it. No, and thank you guys so much for joining us on this journey. That's what I meant. Thank you. I meant thank you for listening. <laughs> you guys are nuts. <laughs> Why are you listening to this, you crazies? I also, I do, as much as I'm trying to research while I'm writing, I'm still never going to get all of the reference points or make a connection to another story. So if any of you guys and gals and, and in-betweens, the they's, the she's, the she's, if anybody sees uh, or hears something that I, we've missed, please just reach out on social media. Uh, the Natty Jean, Jack That Worm. Yes. You can also uh, send stuff to uh, Last Podcast Network. 
on all the, you know, stuff. So come and come find come us. Um, so when we last left Feyre, she was awaiting her second trial. I know, and it was just such an action-packed scene. And you know what? I'm glad that you broke it up because we have to give, like, we have to give good, solid respect to the last two challenges mm. that she has to undergo. Oh, my God. And stuff happens in between the, the trials, too, that I forgot until I read again. I was like, oh, all of these important points happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, also important, have you ever heard the word moo? Yeah, uh, what a cow does, come on. Right? I don't uh, think that's what you meant, though. Because no. if you're asking me if I know the sound a cow makes, I'm going to be like, what? does a what? Ca- what is the sound the cow makes? Is it moo? Um, I feel like that's just a way to, like, torture me. It's like, um, Jackie doesn't even know the sound a cow makes. Don't you know that cows are like dogs? Can't believe it. Can't are cows it. like dogs? They can be. Aww. Check out the gentle barn. On Instagram. <laughs> it's pretty cute. The gentle barn. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to take you there and you're going to see <laughs> the pigs and cows. Of course I want to go to the gentle barn. That sounds great. You it get does... to hang out in their pens with them. It sounds like a like a creepy place where a man's trying to get. No, no, no. Come on, baby. Come on down to the. Gentle. It's a gentle barn. Don't gentle worry. No. Slide pens. Keep you in the hay. No, no. I'll make you a lies. <laughs> Don't let me keep going. No, no. We're going to stop you here. What is a moo? Uh, a Apparently, and this is M O U E. It's a noun for a pout or, or a um, uh, distaste on your face because Amarantha puts her face in a moo, and I had to look it up. Um, I guess it's not common because it sounds like you're saying, "Get that moo off your face," and then you're like, "Oh, <laughs> you're you calm. calling me a cow?" Yeah, and then everybody gets in a fist fight. Oh, I'd be real mad if someone said, "Get that moo off your face." Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> unless yeah. my face was covered in cheese. And if you start calling <laughs> cheese moo, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, I am as well. Um, so that's what Amarantha's face is doing, and whenever Feyre comes in to face her again, after the worm. Things are not looking great for Feifei here. Uh, this is not some little tasks. These are some big old scary. I'm. I might. I might die. I might gonna die. Worms so big you gotta ride them. Yep. My wormy. Well, this time it wasn't sexy. Mm. <laughs> it was not. I don't think that was a phallic representation at all. Or was it? I guess some people might be turned on by it. I don't know. I assume there's, everybody's turned in by something. No, not after all that poo she had to cover herself in. Oh, right. Yeah, that's well, that's not for you. A lot of people do. You're right. Just no king shame. Not on this show. I mean, I'll shame that one a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's very unsanitary. I won't bring up Milf Manor right now. No, please don't. We will not. I want to be feeling good in my loins. <laughs> that show will do the opposite. <laughs> so this time, the second task is a good old-fashioned Indiana Jones-type torment. When Feyre walks in to see Amarantha, what she took as being a room that she's inside of is actually a sort of, like, landing pad for an underground cage. Cool. The image that kind of comes to mind are those old-fashioned indoor pool rooms, you know, where, like, the floor can sink down or open up, and then there's, like, a pool underneath it. Oh, man. But it's not that. It's not a fun thing. It's not like uh, it's a wonderful life. Or in Physical 100. Again, we don't need to bring up Physical 100 No, I refuse to watch it. God, it's so good. Um... Again, again, we're in Prithian, Jackie. We're in Prithian. Oh, I'm Netflix. sorry. My breasts, I thought, were about to pop out of my shirt. Don't worry. They're fastened. Good. They're fastened. Make sure you keep checking. Uh, and so, <laughs> so again, she's faced with Amarantha and this crowd of fairies who are betting on her again. 
And Tamlin is there watching quietly. Not doing anything. We, we're being very neutral about Tamlin currently. But he's not doing anything. He's not. He's not doing anything. Uh, but instead of, you know, a fun pool, as Feyre's getting lower down into this cage, we get Lucian. <gasps> I know. As Feyre sinks down, we realize that her room is only half of this cavern. The other half, Lucian, is shackled into awaiting whatever terrible fate is ahead of him. Our ginger angel! I know. This can't be the end for him. When she gets to the bottom, she realizes that, that there are some big old spikes she mistook for chandeliers in the ceiling. And they, guess what, are dropping down on her. No! That's gotta what be... she got to do? Well, man, I, I, all I can think of though, when the scene comes is like, it's so much architectural planning. You have Man. to really be into the torture to plan out the room. Now. It's like some H.H. H. Holmes level torture planning. Well, and isn't there like there's a good amount of time in between. So just imagine all the lesser fae that Amarantha is making to like build these rooms of torture just for, you know, not that much time. Well, maybe I say, you know what I say? God bless it. I say, I wonder, though, maybe Amarantha had that set up as she's created under the mountain because she knew she was going to be doing tortures to people. And was like, oh, yeah. maybe other people have already been stabbed in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe she's also putting up some shiplap and she's She's got JoJo in there. She's got Aww. Chip and JoJo just trying to make everything look. I think I think what this dungeon needs is some Chip lap. I mean, if you ask Joanna Gaines, that's what they're missing. Uh, so You wait till you get to the pergola challenge. Oh, the pergola challenge. It's not a, it's not a ceiling, but it's not open air. What is it? <laughs> kind of nothing. It's kind of nothing. <laughs> so here she and Lucian are basically standing in this pit waiting for the spikes to come down upon them unless she can solve what? It is a riddle on the wall. There's another riddle. And also, again, so Tamlin is watching his love and his bestie about to be killed. Still, silence. I listen. Maybe we don't know something yet. Maybe we don't know something about mm. Tamlin's position. Mm. So, but of course, Feyre can't fucking read. <laughs> so this is a bit of an issue. This bitch can't read. All right, don't be a Leah Michelle. Feyre, you can do this. I believe in her. Lucian's fire across this cavernous pit, so he can't even read it with his magical eye. And Feyre quickly. She's contemplating, like, did Amarantha somehow know that I can't read? But then decides it is just a cruel twist of fate mm. and why you should always learn to read. Because you never know when you're going to be in a torture dungeon with a riddle. Yeah. In a rush. That's good. But just add it to the things I'm already anxious about. Yeah. Well, you know what it reads. Yes, so. I do. Uh, or do I? I don't know. Hmm. Well, she got pretty far. She got till 19. Didn't have to read. If you can't read, I, I'm impressed with your skill and you probably could just learn to read because you you look like you're reading a lot oh thanks it's like part of your job actually yeah i guess all right i can read okay yeah see that'd be a hard sell in a rush she tries to sound out these longer words in this riddle but we only get from her sounding out three grasshoppers were bouncing before she gives up in despair because the spikes are rushing down too quickly for her to work through it and, like, even though I could read, I think if the spikes were rushing down, I also would not be able to come up with the answer probably. No, it's very scary. Um, as far as I could find, and anyone on the internet noted, that this isn't a direct reference to any specific story. I was curious if this came from a folk tale. However, there is a poem by British writer Sir Henry John Newbolt mm. called Rillaby 
Beeril. That sounds like bullshit. Well, it's at least it's nonsense. Oh, really be real? Oh, and it's about grasshoppers? It's about four grasshoppers that got turned into a nursery rhyme that became about three grasshoppers. And, and the nursery rhyme involves fairies and fiddling. Oh, fiddling all about. So fiddling I- all about. <laughs> really be real? That's- I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> Did the fourth grasshopper die? We don't know what happened in the fourth grasshopper. It's <laughs> one of the great controversies of the time. Um, <laughs> we heard he got radicalized and joined ISIS. Oh, but, no. Uh, yes, that is basically what the, the the nursery rhyme is. It's just, like, silly. But it does involve fairies and fiddling, which is curious. We don't really know if, if Mass uh, had any influence by that. Gotcha. Credit to the Reddit threaditor Bibliorama underscore uh, for for finding that weird random fact about this poem. Um, who knows? Anyways, the under the writing is a one, two, and three, all with levers underneath. The apparent task being that the answer to the riddle on the wall will be one of those numbers. Ooh. Choose a lever. As she's running out of time, she decides to just guess two on a whim because it represents the love between her and Tamlin. I like the visualization that, that Mass uses here of as Feyre's panicking and trying to choose, saying that one is being a solitary person and she doesn't like that, and three being three sisters crammed into one bed. Always thinking about that family that doesn't give a hay about her. At least in this moment, it was a negative thing. Yes. She's like, I don't yeah, like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Then something peculiar happens. I reached for the second lever, but a blinding pain racked my hand before I could touch the stone. I hissed, withdrawing. I opened my palm to reveal the slitted eye tattooed there. It narrowed. I had to be hallucinating. I again reached for the middle lever, but the pain paralyzed my fingers. The eye had returned to its usual state— I extended my hand toward the first lever. Again, pain. I reached for the third lever. No pain. My fingers met with stone, and I looked up to find the grate not four feet from my head. Through it, I found a star-flecked, violet gaze. I reached for the first lever. Pain. But when I reached for the third lever... Through all the hesitating, the boiling hot spikes are closing in on Feyre and Lucian's heads. She has to YOLO and make the choice. YOLO! Feyre, please, Lucian shouts. Oh my god, our ginger angel! She grits her teeth and yanks down on the third lever. And the spikes stop. They reverse. She has picked correctly. Now, I've seen some discourse online about whether Feyre was supposed to have learned a lesson from the, these challenges a la the way that folk tales work a lot of the time from her mm-hmm. trials because technically the argument is that she was technically helped in two of these trials, mm-hmm. including this one. Yeah. I don't think that was the point per se in my opinion. So for some reasons, I we can't disclose now because there are future things in the story. I think it's more character building than anything. I do too. And, and also in folklore, there are many times the protagonist is helped through trials and tasks and sometimes... Half of the lesson is about trust and faith, right? Oh, 
With the second task, she had to entrust someone outside of herself for help, and she had to use her own judgment and intuition in order to proceed. And I think that in itself is sort of a life lesson. Interesting. Especially for Feyre, who uh, honestly does a lot of her shit on her own. She's like, I can kill the wolf. I can save my family, even though, you know, difficult job to leave on the youngest child. Yeah. I'm not going to get into my my hatred for her family right now. You feel right as the youngest child? Uh, no, I would never have been asked to do it. <laughs> They'd be like, well, Jackie's not going to take care of us. And I'd just be over there just like with a fifth of whiskey being like, you're right. Especially at the age of 19. I wasn't helping nobody. Especially in Palm Harbor, Florida. I don't even know where you'd hunt there. No, no. I guess I'd spear fish. fish. Yeah, you could spear fish. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You know me. I love the water, and I love to spear. And being covered in dirt. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. So this is a thing, uh, a sort of learning to trust yourself and your intuition and accepting help is something we come across many times in our lives. And I will think I will say that that pattern repeats in these stories as well. So Favor has come very close to death in this trial. And as she's lifted back up to the surface, we find her about to mentally crumble. She is completely spent emotionally. And then she is flooded with someone else's voice in her own head. Don't let her see you cry. Put your hands at your sides and stand up. She understands that this is somehow reason in her head. He instructs her to stand, to face Amarantha. He knows on some level that seeing her unafraid will cause Amarantha to buckle a little inside. He has been her whore for almost 50 years after all. I think I have some internal bias because of him being a guy, I forget that reason, has been assaulted by this woman for half a century. If I put a woman in that position in my mind, it's almost unbearable to think of. And that's on me because it's just as bad the other way. But think about that. 50 years he's been being assaulted by this woman. That's horrific. And every time. Just a side note. It is. Every time it is brought up to just the idea of that, then they're like, oh, but but the fae live forever. 50 years is just a blip. But you still have to feel and be a part and be present of every second of those 50 years. It doesn't matter if it's a blip in their lifetime. If we put it in perspective of like a human's life, what if that was, you know, five months of your life? That's an insane amount of time. Ah! Gross. Um, So here we... Here we hear Farah acknowledge that if she had been left to her own devices, that she would be dead. That's almost too much to process for her in that moment. But she feels almost compelled to follow the instructions from Reason, and she strains herself up, keeping her eyes locked on Amarantha's when she reaches the surface. At his instruction, she looks her down, then turns and walks through the crowd. Baller the style. Damn! I want to see that scene so bad. I know, and we're going to at some point. Let us be Faye. Come on, let us be in it. Just put us in it. Come on. So she's not actually okay, though, of course. She she manages to fake this for— It's only the second one, especially if you think about it. You, like, she still has a whole other task to get done. Yeah. It's not God like, knows. woo, she's over it. Yeah, and who knows what the next one is going to be because this is very different from the worms. So the next one's obviously going to be some different level of torment. Oh, what if she has to dance the worm in front of everyone and she doesn't know if she can do it properly? That if I had to dance the worm and that was one of my challenges, mm-hmm. I'd fail. Do you think if you were 
were put life or death, you wouldn't be able to figure it out. Can you imagine me just belly flopping onto the floor trying to wriggle, wriggle up and down, wriggle up and down? Jackie, I believe in you. If that, if you were put to the task of life or death, you would figure out the worm. I'd figure it out, but also I shouldn't wriggle like that with my breasts. So just you know, like little teapots, short and stout. Uh, I for the listeners, she's poking her breasts right now. <laughs> um, I want them to get a full visual. So <clears throat> she's not okay. When she gets back to her cell, she's beside herself with grief and sorrow. She feels wrung out and hopeless. She begins to wonder if she really wants to be here at all, that maybe she wants to be nothing. Reasoned appears in her cell. She doesn't have it in her to be angry or even scared. I pulled away, but his hands were like shackles. I could do nothing as his mouth met with my cheek, and he licked away a tear. His tongue was hot against my skin, so startling that I couldn't move as he licked away another path of salt water, and then another. My body went taut and loose all at once, and I burned, even as chills shuddered along my limbs. It was only when his tongue danced along the damp edges of my lashes that I jerked back. He smirked, sitting down against a wall. I figured that would get you to stop crying. She gets angry, and then she says it was disgusting. Was it? He I will. Okay, I will say. First time I read through this, I was just like, whoa. But if there is one thing that's trying to keep your mind off of, like, dude— Bitch, you almost just died, and, like, one of your only friends almost just died, so I'm going to make you laugh. Seeing it, like, now, like, to take her mind off of what just Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. If someone started licking my face while I was crying, I definitely would laugh. Yeah. And also, you know, you have to put it on top of all of the terror she just went to. Went through, and also she's sitting in a cold, frozen cell. And then he's just lightly just... I wish he, I, in my brain, he made that sound as he was doing it. Uh, um, well, I had a different physical reaction mm. to that scene, um, but that's just me. So, uh, yes, and I, for sure, like as it's described in the book, when Feyre first sees him, she feels nothing. She's not angry or anything. She's not worried. She just stares. And when he does this, it alight something in her, whatever it is. It, it, when she says she went taut and loose all at once, it, isn't that sort of an indicator of arousal? I've been loose and taut a couple times in my day. You know? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So he taunts her, alluding to some something along that, those lines that he thought he felt something different that wasn't discussed. He engages her in an argument. He mocks her and tells her he's surprised she didn't know how to read. She calls him a disgusting bastard, and he teases her that he's going to torture her in his court by teaching her to read. He leaves her enraged. She skulks around her dirty little room, and then she thinks, It took me a long while to realize that reasoned whether he knew it or not, had effectively kept me from shattering completely. So she replaced the deadness with an anger and a rage towards him, which is preferable to feeling like you're going to just like fade away and die, I guess. We don't know at this point what why Reason did it or what his efforts are for, but we do know that in this moment he probably wanted her to feel something. And feel connected to someone, even if the connection was with disgust. Hatred and And I think that, like, needed to keep her feeling rather than giving in and especially getting thrown back down into a cell. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he assumes that she would just give in to the nothing. Yeah. Because what what insane task is going to come next? Yeah, you just almost were impaled by boiling hot spikes. That's fun. At the beginning of chapter 41, we find Farah waiting out her time before the third trial. Her hope has not returned despite her anger with reason. She's resigned to the process of getting drunk in the night and blacking out and waiting through her days. One of these nights, as she's being escorted by reasons to shadow women, Farah finds out that they are capable of hiding her within shadow as, a, as like a cloak almost. When they, I know. When they hear that and they do so whenever they hear the at her coming down the hall. <gasps> Feyre considers in her mind that perhaps these two handmaidens are more than that, also spies. As they secretly listen to the adder's conversation, they and we, as the reader, learn that it's speaking with a representative of the king of Highburn. You remember the guy heading the Great War 500 years ago prior that Amarantha used to be a general for. Well, it seems like they are still in some sort of cahoots. Yeah. And the king is not happy that Amarantha is running a guts-like <laughs> obstacle course inside the mountain because she wants to bone this blonde guy. Do, 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 do you have it? Guts. guts. Um, she really is 
spending a lot of time on this one. It's a lot of, like, you should be doing other things. If you're going to be trying to take over everything, right, then, like, focus your your attentions at least somewhere else besides, like, the lentils thing. Like, so Mm -hmm. in between setting up for these insane tasks. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of setting up before these things happen, you know? So, you know, fair, fair for him to be like, why are you doing this? I don't obviously side with them, but like strategically, it's probably not what they should be focusing on before yeah. war. So this representative of the king threatens the Ador and in turn Amarantha that they better play well or the king will rip this all away from her. So the king is still in charge is what he's trying to say. Yes. So Amrith has sort of just been holing up and partying with daddy's money, it seems like. <laughs> She's kind of laid She's waste. She's having a blast. Like, yeah. uh, technically, if you think about the things that she likes to do, she torture, gets to torture whoever she wants. She gets to She gets to bang people. reasoned uh, anytime she wants because she's a disgusting human being. She's really, like, having a field day. Yeah, I would get bored eventually. She kind of just sits in a throne a lot of the time, I think. But whatever, it seems like it's what she's into. She has, she gets to torment the guy that's trapped in her hand. That's, you know, what she likes to do. I ha- I mean, just like, I bet she sleeps really well, you know? Probably. That's a lot to have to, it's a lot of plates to keep spinning. Yeah, Uh. yeah. She's probably very well rested. And after, you know, after this point, she's already like laid waste to much of Prithian. But after that, she didn't really seem to have any plan. Uh, she just has her little Mar-a-Lago down there and just like hanging out and golfing. So Feyre falls into an even deeper despair because she's not only trapped here, the family that we have to accept that I she cares about. I'm fine with it. Is now at even greater risk knowing that Highburn is about to strike. <gasps> And there's nothing that she can do about it. She is trapped under this mountain. She reminds herself that if anyone can get her family to safety, it's Nesta. Even if it's surfing on a wave of pure bitch water to the next island over, yeah. Nesta can get it done. Yeah, she's she's got the uh, the strength of the bitch. She does. I've got the strength of the bitch. Do you have the strength of the bitch? I feel like I not good at it. I think you can, though. I think it lives within you if you need it. If I get mad, I think so, but I don't like being a bitch. No, you're not really bitchy. I'll give you some of mine. Sisters! I also think that you're very nice if you call yourself a bitch. I think that you're a very nice person. Thank you. And this is coming from the woman that I did literally have to hold my breasts before for her to get me into the corset that I'm currently wearing, so. Sisters! 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 (laughs) Um, so... (laughs) In this moment, she is still fading away, laying in her cell, staring at the ceiling when she begins to hear music. There was beauty in this music, beauty and goodness. The music folded over itself like batter being poured from a bowl, one note atop another, melting together to form a whole, rising, filling me. It wasn't wild music, but there was a violence of passion in it a swelling kind of joy and sorrow. I pulled my knees to my chest, needing to feel the sturdiness of my skin, even with the slime of the oily paint upon it. This music that she's hearing from somewhere is taking her away and out of her body, floating into a dreamlike state where things are beautiful again. In this hallucination, she's outside. She can see the beauty of the world and it makes her weep. It makes her feel a longing again a longing for the world, even maybe a little bit of hope. It helps remind her what she's fighting for. 
I imagine being trapped with no sun for months in the cold and pain will kind of cause you to go into a spiral, I would imagine. Yeah, she needs some vitamin D, and I'm not talking about dirt. Do, do you remember how upset you were? <laughs> do you remember how upset you were when you had dirt on your hands, Jackie? Oh my God, my hands—they are unclean. It's kind of like that. Um, but I will say, I was told that I had a vitamin D deficiency, and it took everything in me not to laugh at the doctor. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm full up. Pretty sure I'm full up. But I didn't, didn't do that. I just went, okay, doctor. You just did it I'll for start taking the vitamin here. D. <laughs> did you start taking vitamin yeah, D? Yeah, I take D every day. Okay, okay but uh, also the vitamin. Dick? Okay, but, okay. but also the vitamin. I do take my daily supplement of vitamin good, D. Good, good, good. Very important. Um... So I'm yes. a child. Yes. I, We're I, both dressed like fairies right now. I, it's fine. I worry that I'm like being too filthy for this, but like I really am genuinely this horny. I don't think on our network you should be worried about being too filthy. Um, so she floats through the, this vision and it gently lays her back into her cell, not revived, but feeling life once again, feeling a need to keep going. The music flittered through my memories, binding them together, making them into a quilt that wrapped around me, that warmed my bones. I liked that turn of phrase. So Feyre's third task is looming at what may be her last party of whining and dancing through this blackout. She's standing alone against a wall waiting for reason to summon her into his lap as he's done every night. Suddenly, she smells a rain and earthen scent by her side, and <gasps> Tamlin is somehow next to her. In some way, he's managed to evade the eyes of Amarantha for a few moments. It's what she's been fighting for these many months. He beckons her subtly to follow him to a side room, some sort of fairy janitor's closet, Ooh. I guess. They both separately make it there, and oh, do they kiss each other. Oh, they kiss each other. They go into a lustful frenzy of mouth and teeth and hands. Can I just say, yes. I understand, right? As the, the horny side of me, mm-hmm. yeah, get at, get at it. But if you have a second to talk to each other, shouldn't you be plotting? Shouldn't you be figuring something out rather than just making out? And this is coming for me. I always want to be making out. Making out, I always say yes. Yes and it. Yeah. But then they just, they finally get to talk to each other. and They don't talk about anything. They just make out. It's an interesting point to make, Jackie. I wonder if just come back. Just saying. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a choice. I think it, in this moment, maybe they're, they're in their minds, they're thinking we're going to die. This is the last time we're ever yeah. going to kiss. The, the comet's coming down on the earth right now. We're all, we have moments to live. And I guess, you know, in those last moments, I would say, you know, it's not the worst way to go out. You make a mouth fuck in yeah, the end. Just kind of groping. So... Tamlin doesn't seem to be able to help her. We don't know why, but he doesn't seem to help be able to help her out in any way, so they're going to be touching instead. Then <clears throat> they hear a cough. Oh, no. It's not Amberantha, thankfully, but it is that bastard reason. Oh, is he there to lick some tears again? Shameful. Look at what you've done to my pet. In his arrogant way, he begins to toy with the two of them. Now be a clever high lord and buckle your belt and fix your clothes before you go out there. He's, you know, he's taunting them. But as you remember, Ferris painted all over her body in order for a reason to track who's touched her. And so now they're both all smeared and smudged. And yet 
Reason erases all the paint all over, that's all over Tamlin from all of his gripping. He could have easily revealed the charade to Amarantha, but he didn't. So what is this man playing at? Interesting. In this moment, he decides to protect Tamlin and Feyre. Tamlin walks away and Feyre's left alone with reason. He again taunts her. If you're that desperate for release, you should have asked me. (laughs) Pig, she says. (laughs) He changes his demeanor at her and he snarls. Are you some sort of fool as Amarantha could have walked in on any could have walked in on them at any moment? Did she not realize what she would have done if Pharaoh was kissing her desired object? Yes. Thank you, Reason. Thank you for providing some actual like, reason. Think about this. Reason to bringing the reason. The reason's bringing reason. So, yes. And so he's angry and she's calling, you know, she's obviously also very angry. Pharaoh's not having any of his shit. Why does he care? Which is a good question. Before they can continue this argument, Reason turns. He hears something and he throws his mouth onto hers, pressing her into the wall. And he claims her, pries her teeth open with his tongue and goes into her mouth. Horrific. Except Amarantha bursts in. Along with a crew of fairies, they begin to laugh at what appears to be Reason groping his slave. Tamlin has returned to Amarantha's side and has gone expressionless once again. Amarantha mocks Feyre and calls her a fickle human trash. See, Tamlin, she just lusts for the fae. She doesn't love you. Reason plays along with this little tryst. He sends Feyre back to her cell. So for whatever reason, Reason again has covered for Tamlin and Feyre. Interesting. Later that night, Reason appears in her cell, and they have a strange sort of rapport going at this point. When he comes in, she doesn't react to someone who is afraid of the, this high fae. More so, she's annoyed with him. I think we're supposed to maybe feel as though she's confused by him. Which but, also, as a reader, you are confused by him at this right. point. Like, why did he just, even though it was an unconsenting kiss, which we are not here for, right. obviously there was a reason to save her. Yes, Um, So we don't really we are we don't know what his motives are. And that's also how Feyre feels, because we are seeing this through her eyes. She doesn't necessarily think of him as a tormentor at this point, though, like her reactions in her head are more of annoyance and irritation. What do you want? Reason looks frazzled and he says he wants a moment of peace and quiet. It's clear he's trying to confide in her, whether it's not because he wants to or simply because She's trapped and he has to have some sort of launching pet or some sort of um, not launching pet. A confidant. Yeah, somebody to just talk like almost like a therapist. Yes. Well, they're both trapped down there. They're both, you know, they're both slaves in different ways. Right. And so maybe it's just because she's convenient for him, but he's trying to just talk to her like a person. He admits to her that he's lonely. He also tells her his reasons for creating this bargain and his behavior, sort of. He doesn't really explain it. What he does say is he's trying to get Tamlin riled up enough to act. He's laying the groundwork for a chance to attack Amarantha. Feyre points out that Tamlin may want to kill him, too, during all of this. But Reason says he has a few other cards up his sleeve to play. Feyre, for cauldron's sake— I drug you, but you don't wonder why I never touch you beyond your waist or arms. Until tonight. Until that damned kiss. I gritted my teeth, but even as my anger rose, 
The picture cleared. It's the only claim I have to innocence, he said. The only thing that will make Tamlin think twice before entering into a battle with me that will cause a catastrophic loss of innocent life. It's the only way I can convince him I was on your side. Even through all of this tragedy, he continues to flirt with her. Well, he's made of shadows. He's made of flirt. He is made of flirt. Oh, God. Can you imagine meeting someone made of shadows? Oh, my God. I mean, I guess you would never know, like, where he is. And then again, it does go back to, like, a Twilight thing where, like, he just, like, is in her room all the time, staring at you while you sleep. So I I guess maybe I don't want someone filled with shadows, but, like, in, like, in a, in a fantasy, I do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe, like, a, you know, like, a documentary about. Love, love documentary. I guess that, but then that also is like a, speaking of documentaries, it just makes me think of the Shadow People documentary about no, night get terrors. Out of it. No, no. Oh no, we brought it up. Now we're all gonna have night terrors. Not here. I'm sorry. Not today. Shadow People. We don't fully know why he's flirting with her, but perhaps it's just because he's a little horn dog. <laughs> we don't really know. I get it. He divulges to her in the scene another big bomb drop of information. In fact, at this point, he seems like the only person who's telling her much of anything. That is that Reason's father killed Tamlin's father and brothers. Tamlin has never told her this. So it makes sense of why Tamlin hates Reason so much. Mm, it does. And why they have such a tumultuous relationship. But also, again, it's Reason's father who killed Tamlin's father and brothers. Right. Important. Important, isn't it? Reason seems exhausted. And he tells her he's probably giving her too much information and that if she was smart, she would use it against him. Feyre isn't sure what to make of this high fae. He has helped her in many ways, but he's also humiliated and mocked her. She questions why he bargained with her internment time at the night court. She says he could have enforced every day of the year and she would have had to agree. I know. He says before fading away. Fading away into shadow. What kind of hot goth forty chess is this? I know, it, but it is definitely hot goth forty chess. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day, Feyre is taken back to the throne room for her final feat. She really looks at the fairies in the room this time, and there aren't many who look like they're having fun. She ponders on how many of these people really wanted to be here, how many are wearing facades and playing games just as reasoned is. The fairies don't respond to Amarantha's cruel jests this time, and she's very unhappy about it. Well, I bet a lot of them didn't think she was going to make it to the third task. Yeah. And also, we don't really know. At, now as Feyre's learning about all of these, these games that are being played underneath the surface— a lot of these fairies probably aren't excited to watch this torture. They don't want to be under the mountain. They're forced to it. So this scene is sort of like one of the scenes at the end of a teen movie where the bully girl finally gets her comeuppance and, like, nobody's, like, behind her cheering anymore. And she's like, uh, what? Where are my friends? Uh. Yeah, that's what it seems like. So she's losing all of her yes men here. Um, as she prepares for certain death. Feyre looks to Tamlin. I love you, I said. No matter what she says about it, no matter if it's only with my insignificant human heart, even when they burn my body, I'll love you. My lips trembled and my vision clouded before several warm tears slipped down my chilled face. I didn't wipe them away. Then three fairies 
with their heads covered in bags, are dragged into the room. Their forms are indistinguishable to her. She learns that this is her final task, her last trial. She is to stab each of these innocent fairies in the heart. Damn! She's cold as ice. Cold as ice. This is a moralistic tale, if I've ever heard one. One that would, in modern fairy tales, always have a hero swoop in and prevent Feyre from making this terrible decision. I really thought that that's what was going to happen, by the way, at this point of the book. I was like, oh, someone's going to stop her from having to do it. Yes. And it, it is. It's this horrible thing. You have to decide to kill three innocent fairies and live. Or be killed. Not just die, but keep the kingdom of Prithian under the reign of Amarantha. So because of this, she's unable to even think of what to do at this point. The magical part of the bargain is that if Pharaoh completes the tasks, Tamlin and all of his court must go free. What would you do in this situation? I love this form of storytelling and one that's complex and polarizing and an impossible decision to be made. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, not to belittle myself, but I don't think I would have made it this far. But I guess if I did get to this point, um, I'd probably. But that's the whole thing. I think that's why Reason was like trying to make sure that she has a little bit of hope, because if not, if you're like want regular, like ready to be nothing, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't do it. Like if I was ready for it all to be over, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And it would have damned an entire kingdom so she's tasked with this she's and, and in it she's frozen she doesn't think she has it in her to take these lives after contemplation though she decides she will try to save the greater group by removing her soul and killing these unknown fae damn she steps to the first one and the bag is removed from his head he is a high fae youth who she doesn't know we don't learn anything about him other than he's not from the spring court because he's not wearing a mask and he has blue eyes. He's terrified. Ugh. He pleads with her not to kill him. Ugh. Please, please. He's like looking into her eyes and begging for his life. Feyre sobs, but she lunges forward. Her soul has been shattered. The knife plunges in and the young Fae boy dies in front of her. Cold as ice. She has to. It's for Prithian. Feyre is hardly present now, wishing to be freed of her body. But she moves to the second fairy. It's a woman with gold brown hair and bronze eyes. Feyre picks up her second dagger with shaking hands. She wants to beg the Fae woman for forgiveness but then the fairy begins to pray in the way that fairies do. Cauldron, save me. Mother, hold me. Guide me to you. Let me pass through the gates. Let me smell that immortal land of milk and honey. It really loses me at milk and honey because I just imagine a bunch of old milk like that's the land that they go to. It's like, oh, I wish the milk wasn't crusted. Well, that's a very Greek sort of oh. um, reference where, it, yes, it does sound gross. But I think it, <laughs> in a time when I think only some people had access to milk, it was like I'm an exciting. i myself in milk for you. Some people like it. <laughs> Again, no king shame here at Akatar. It's better than poop for sure. <laughs> Hold up. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Feyre realizes that she's praying because she wants Feyre to do this and to do it quickly. That perhaps as an older fairy, she has the wisdom to know that this must be done to save her people. Let me feel no pain. I'm sorry. Let me enter eternity. Milk. Give me milk. (laughs) That's what they they cut that part out because they yes. were like, oh, that'll take me that'll out take of it. it out of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Feyre sobs and shoves the knife deep into her chest. The hall remains deathly silent, save for weeping. But Amarantha continues to smile. Feyre stands before the third fairy and they rip the bag from his head. Tamlin. What? It's Tamlin. No. How can that be? She just professed her love to him. He's on the dais with Amarantha. Feyre whips around, and the glamour falls from a gleeful adder. No! She professed her love to the adder earlier. You love an adder. You love... That's what I would be screaming as the fae in the crowd. You love an adder. You're you're so stupid. You can't read. So so you're pro-Amarantha fairy? Well, I'm I mean, you are sort of dressed like the Court of Nightmares here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling very Court of Nightmares right now. So I guess maybe that's what it is. I just like... like, you're manifesting Yeah, my fashion. I feel her through my fashion. Okay. Love that. Love that fashion. So Tamlin was never on the throne there with Amarantha. This is Amarantha's idea of a clever, hilarious ruse. 
Kill him, Pharaoh, and he'll be free of me. You can have them all to yourself. Those damn fairies and their damn logic their ways. Riddles, their little clever little riddles. Pharaoh at this point is beyond thinking, beyond despair. She contemplates driving the knife into her own chest instead. But then she remembers Alice's words that thus far she has not applied in any way. Yeah, all of the other things she told you not to do that you definitely did. But that last advice, listen, don't hear, but listen. Feyre begins flipping through the Rolodex of her memories. Flap, 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 flap. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It's very, la- very annoying very to everybody old, else. Very very 80s. She lands upon her memory of the first encounter she had with the Adher when Tamlin glamoured her to be invisible and she eavesdropped on their argument. Milady makes no bargains that are not advantageous to her. Wait a second. So... Amaranth is all boned up for Tamlin. There's no way she's suddenly just going to let him get stabbed to death. Yeah, she did this whole thing so that she was, like, ready to bang Tamlin forever. Right. So what is this sort of game? She begins to think over all the conversations she's overheard when she thought she was being a sneak, little sneaky, but perhaps she was being allowed to overhear certain things. This is from a conversation between Tamlin and Lucian. For someone with a heart of stone, yours is certainly soft these days. I looked at Tamlin my eyes flicking to his chest as another memory flashed. The adder in the garden, laughing. Though you have a heart of stone, Tamlin, the adder said, you certainly keep a host of fear inside it. Oh shit, is this the key? There's no way I would have thought of this during this time period. Like, you just killed two fairies. I'd be like, I don't remember nothing, dude. Well, that's why Pharaoh's Pharaoh. Yeah, man. So she wouldn't let him be killed because she wants to own him too badly. Does she know that he can't be killed through the heart? (gasps) Feyre is going to have to test fate today. I love you, she says to the real Tamlin and plunges the knife deep into his chest. Clunk. It hits something hard, even as blood pours out of his chest. She pulls the knife back and sees that the ash blade is chipped at the tip. Tamlin remains kneeling before her. This knife will not kill. It will not kill. (laughs) Alive he is. Knife or death, anyone? Knife or death! She's won! Someone cries out, free them! But the spring court's masks stay on. Tamlin's reduced magic remains as his wound is still bleeding freely. (gasps) Aha! But Feyre forgot to mention the urgency of which the freedom will come. But Amarantha's face blanched, her features contorting until she looked truly serpentine. I'll free them whenever I see fit. Feyre didn't specify when I had to free them, just that I had to, at some point, perhaps when you're dead. She finished with a hateful smile. Amaranth is filled with rage and hatred. Just as Feyre feared, there was no way that Amarantha was going to let her win. Even through the bounds of a magical bond, she knew how to connive and trick Feyre. And so, with the spring court still bound, Amarantha says to Feyre, 
I'm going to kill you, you little cunt. Whoa. She didn't say you little cunt, but it's inferred. Yeah, because this is still a YA book. So, you know, at this point, we can't really be throwing around the C word. I mean, just murdering people. I feel like they should be allowed to say cunt. That's the thing. And I, 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 again, I respect Sarah J. Moss so much that, like, the way that she did this young adult book that, like, still got a good amount in there. Oh, yeah, totally. Amarantha begins to rain agony down upon poor Feyre's mortal body. Her bones are shattered as she's dashed over and over upon the marble floor. She wants Feyre to admit that she never loved Tamlin. Admit it! Admit it and she'll stop crushing her body. But Feyre won't. won't! Feyre! Someone screams across the room. Reason screams it, not Tamlin. What are you but mud and bones and worm meat? Amarantha raged. What are you compared to our kind that you think you're worthy of us? Chaos erupts in the room. Dirty pool, they cry. Cheater! Amarantha ignores them all. She begins beating and kicking Feyre the old-fashioned way without Kinda magic. Nice. You know, take the magic out of it. Bring it back to when beatens were beaten. Old school. Thera's agony is beyond comprehension, but Amarantha won't let her black out. Suddenly, a body comes launching at Amarantha. It's reason. <gasps> He's taken the blade from Tamlin and rushed to drive it into Amarantha's throat. Yeah! Amarantha's too fast and blocks no! in time. And seems to realize what's been going on all along. You traitorous piece of Filth. She seethed at reason. You're just as bad as these human beasts. One by one, as if a hand were shoving them in, his talons pushed back into his skin, leaving blood in their wake. He swore, low and vicious. You were planning this all along. And I mean, Traders is a little intellectually dishonest because she wouldn't like forced him to be there. So it's not like yeah. he was being a traitor. He was a serv like a he was enslaved. He was a slave. It's not like he was there of his own volition. So traitorous is a little, you know. I'm I just saying. hate Amarantha. She sucks. She then sets her sights on breaking reason for his betrayal. I guess. Feyre pleads with her to stop, but no one moves to help him. Amarantha's rage only grows at her pleading. You stupid human filth! Say you don't love Tamlin. She can't. She won't do it. She knows it won't matter, and she wants to hold on to that one shred of light as she dies, her love for him. Amarantha sends through her a series of her worst memories, almost worse than the physical pain she's living through. Finally, Tamlin starts crawling towards Feyre and Amarantha. Please stop. I'll do anything. Oh, he finally... Oh, now you're going to say something. You know. Tamlin's pleading only makes it worse because he loves her and Amarantha can't handle it. Suddenly, it hits Feyre. Love. <gasps> the, the riddle. The riddle! She knows the answer to the riddle. With the answer... Her magical bargain will be instantaneous, not the bar like not like the bargain she made with the tasks. Her body is shattered and broken and bleeding, and with her final breath, she says, "The answer to the riddle is love." And then Amarantha snaps her spine in half, breaking her neck forever. Feyre is dead. Man, this part of the book, can I just say, I was like, "What?" 
it. No. What? Like my brain shattered for a minute. No. <laughs> yeah, but also there was a little bit of no. Oh, does she get the milk now? I guess she doesn't get the milk because she's a filthy human. It's true. But through whatever sinewy magic that connects her to reason through that tattooed bind, she can still see through someone's eyes, his eyes. She watches Lucian slowly pull the mask from his face. She broke the spell that latched their magic to Amarantha. Amarantha's cornered. As a true 90s kid, all I can think of is the scene from The Lion King where Scar's been cornered by the hyenas. Oh my god. I can explain! I can explain! Tamlin's magic is unleashed. He pounces. The room erupts. Some fae run to try to help Amarantha as Tamlin pins her to the floor in his animal form. The large majority tackle her minions to the ground. Tam! Lucian cried over the chaos. A sword hurtled through the air, a shooting star of steel. Tamlin caught it in a massive paw. Amarantha's scream was cut short as he drove the sword through her head and into the stone beneath, and then closed his powerful jaws around her throat and ripped it out. <laughs> the bitch yeah, is dead! Ding dong! Before anyone can rejoice, we must return to Feyre's lifeless, broken body on the floor. Tamlin returns to Form and rushes to her corpse. He scoops up her body and he weeps and holds her. Feyre can only watch through Reason's eyes. The hall is silent. She saved them all at the cost of her life. And then someone, the Autumn Court's High Lord, Lucian's father. Who's also really fucking hot in my head, by the way. Appears at their side. He's a bastard, though. I know, but I bet he's still really hot. They're all hot. I love it when they make all of, like, like a bunch of villains a bunch of gingers. Yeah. Because in my head, it's just like if the Weasley family went bad. Oh, yeah. And I Dark always Weasleys. wanted to kiss Bill Weasley, but I'm like, what if Bill Weasley was bad? Oh, yeah, I like that. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> yep. I'll make anything horny, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> the High Lord of the Autumn Court approaches them, and he drops... A sparkly little drop from his hand that drips down onto Feyre's body, on her t- onto her chest. She's still not in her body, but she's watching this happen. One by one, the High Lords come forward and drop this kernel of light from their hands onto her chest. Reason stepped forward, bringing my shred of soul with him, and I found Tamlin staring at me, at us. For what she gave... Reason said, extending a hand. We'll bestow what our predecessors have granted to few before. He paused. This makes us even, he added, and I felt the twinkle of his humor as he opened his hand and let the seed of light fall on me. Tamlin then drops one of his own light kernels onto Farah's lifeless body. Thank you for the kernels. Thank, thank you for you, the kernels. You. It makes me think of, like, it reminds me of whenever I eat a bunch of popcorn at the movie theater and then I find popcorn in my bra later on in the day. It's just like that. <laughs> Does that turn you into a fairy? No, but I do eat it. <laughs> Chapter 46 <laughs> opens up with Farah awakening from the darkness. What? Mass uses the visualization of swimming up through the depths 
kicking vigorously to get to the surface. When she awakens, she's lying on the ballroom floor. But she's not broken, not bleeding. There's no pain. She feels different, though. She's seeing through eyes. She's Tim Allen. Yes, she's Tim (laughs) Allen. The cocaine years. (laughs) Seeing through eyes that captured more detail than before. She's scenting things strong. And her fingers are longer. What? Feyre has gone through a metamorphosis. It's not an uncommon fairy tale trope, because what's the fun of fantasy if you can't change in it? But of course, it's also reminiscent of the Twilight scenes in which Bella dies and is reborn. This is very different. It's very, very different. I'm not in no way saying that Mass took from that. In fact, it's quite possible she wrote this scene first because, as we've discussed, Akatar was released May 5th, 2015. But she'd been writing it since the age of 23, which would have been right around the time Breaking Dawn came out, actually. And we don't know if she even read it. So... In 2015 is the year I met you, Jackie, and then my husband. Oh, my God. Which doesn't seem that long ago. And yet it was a world and a lifetime away. It was. Thanks, quarantine. Thanks, quarantine. Yeah, it made time really weird. Um, This reawakening or metamorphosizing happens a lot throughout fairy stories, even as common as ones, you know, like Snow White and, and A Little Mermaid. So we're seeing this here. And that's what we have. I love it, man. He takes her away from her whole life as a mermaid and rips away everything that she's known. And, you know, all it costs is her voice. I think it's fine. Well, in the original fairy tale of The Little Mermaid, the folk tale of Little Mermaid, she kills herself at the end instead of... um, Because the princess... (laughs) Yeah, that was my first ballet, by the way. When I was five years old, we did the the original telling of The Little Mermaid where... Oh, that must have been badass. Was there like ribbons of blood... Uh, well, she jumps into the ocean. Basically, the prince is in love with another woman, and so she gives herself up to let him be happy. Good <laughs> it's God! Not, it's not a great moralistic tale, but it's really funny to watch it with all kids under the age of 12 doing it. They, <laughs> my ballet instructor, Monica Ryan, who I love and has influenced my life, she had the Little Mermaid, who was a seven-year-old girl, kill herself in the ballet. So, Good um, Lord! She, Monica Ryan rules. Um, so... <laughs> this is what we have here. Feyre brought back to life, but she's not really in her life anymore. Feyre has become High Hi, Feyre. I'm surprised she hasn't called herself High Feyre yet. We can. Hi, Feyre. Hi, Feyre. She's hi, here. Oh, hi, Feyre. It's Hi, Feyre. She doesn't have time. Isn't that fun? She doesn't have time to <laughs> process this fun. before she turns to see Amarantha dead. Throat gone and strung up below poor Claire better. Free. They were all free. All of them. But then that means Tamlin's face. Let's see how hot he is. She turns to him. He was exactly how I dreamed he would be. He's fucking hot. He's so hot. Well, you know from the lips. I guess you don't few. know from the lips. It's a big but few, like, though. Oh, yeah, because she went through all of this, and what if he was, like, so not hot? She turned around. It's just like, like, love is blind. Oh, ew. Yeah. Oh, uh, this has been a mistake. Yeah. Ooh, can I retract everything that I said? <laughs> I mean, technically, at this point, no, she does say I love you as she dro- drove the knife into his heart. She did say I love you. Um. She did. That's point. what it takes, you know. Gonna put, uh, it's the rigmarole. It really is. That a woman will put you through. We now come to Feyre and Tamlin alone for the first time in months in a bedroom under the mountain. And Feyre is faced with what she's done. 
that she's murdered innocents. Throughout this horror, she's trying to get her bearings with her new stronger body, but she has to put these terrors aside because she has to get on, on that dick. You, you, you. I don't mean to underplay the scene. It is a very beautiful, touching scene, sure. but they also are finally joined, lost in the passion and pain of everything they've gone through. Not ready to face the horror, they live in this moment, in their breaths, in their bodies, the gratitude that they've made it this far. And you may hear it being read at some point. Yes! That night as they sleep, Feyre is awoken by the magical tug of her bond to reason. Through its mysterious power, it leads her out of the bedroom to a stairwell that she's surprised to find leads to the outside. She's shocked by the sunlight. She hasn't seen the outside in three months. Put on a hat, girl. Put on a hat? Yeah, because your skin, you don't want to, like, you got to, like, ease yourself into it. Put some SPF on. I'm just saying, get maybe get a parasol for You're going to have to look hot for six or seven hundred years, so you yep. probably should do some skincare. Yeah. You're right. Uh, what are their skincare routines? Please tell me. I guess they don't need one. Mm. Must, to, must be be nice. to be a fae. To be a fae. So... She's led up the staircase to a balcony that she didn't know existed under the mountain. Reasoned is there on this balcony where the staircase leads to. He wants to tell her goodbye before her love, quote, whisks her away forever. Not forever, I said, wiggling my tattooed fingers for him to see. Don't you get a week every month? Those words, thankfully, came out frosty. Interesting turn of phrase that they thankfully came out frosty. Mm, because wow, she wanted to say it was, don't you get a week every month? Which Did is she? I, I don't know, because I thought she was in love with Tamlin. I don't know. What's going to happen? He laughs it off, but Feyre has to know why. Why did he do all of this? Help her. Save her. He says he doesn't want to be remembered as standing at the sidelines in this time. Is that a job at Tamlin? Unclear. Because, he went on, his eyes locked with mine, I didn't want you to fight alone or die alone. Thank you. Though he continues to flirt and needle at her, reason seems sad in this scene. Over what we don't really know, nor does Feyre. They have what would be considered a confidential conversation here about how they feel, their hopes, Something that didn't happen in the previous scene when she was with Tamlin. They seem to come to an amicable parting, even through this strange arrangement. I wouldn't say they're friendly, but maybe somewhat respectful of all they just went through together. He bows to her as a farewell, but then freezes. His eyes locked on mine, wide and wild, and his nostrils flared. Shock. Pure shock flashed across his features at whatever he saw in my face, and he stumbled back a step. Actually stumbled. What, what is it? I began. He disappeared. Simply disappeared, not a shadow in sight, into the crisp air. Something that we don't know about yet has shocked him in his final moments with Feyre. Oh, what could it be? What could it be? The next day, Tamlin and Feyre make their way back from under the mountain into the spring court, where her new life will be set to begin. 
Through all of her mental turmoil, she's able to spare a few moments of joy at seeing this court under the sun, her home, that she survived long enough to take it in. Let's go home, I said, and took his hand. And there we have the end of A Court of Thorns and Roses, book one. Man, it really ramps up there at the end. Like it, it just, like any person that I talk to that I'm like, if you're not really feeling it in the beginning of the book, the last third will get you shooting into the rest of this series. Really? Shooting. And <laughs> and I think that... Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 goo! Um, because it's going to get goo it's gonna up get a in here. <laughs> oh, baby. Um, I also, I really, the the first part of the book is not bad in any way. I no. think it's just more traditional. And so I think some people who aren't necessarily fantasy fairy tale readers well, I think read it's it more go, fairy tale than it is fantasy. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times people are like, okay, this is cool, but... Then as it shifts into this other stuff and you're like, oh, she's going to have to murder people. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. And I I was immediately locked in with all of that. And I just really, really love Sarah J. Mass's storytelling and the way that she weaves things together. And I'm really grateful that she wrote these books. And um, I'm so excited to go into the next one with you guys because it's a really fun book. Oh, and so much happens in it. And I can't wait to jump in next week and we will be here. And But I guess... We have to get a little horny before we leave. Yeah, I'm getting uh, into right now. I'm wearing my fashion, my spring court fashion. We'll see where it takes us. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've got, I'm rocking night court forever. And you'll find out why. Mm. Not the show from the 80s for any of you elder millennials. Although I'll fuck both. Please read up until chapter eight of A Court of Mist and Fury or page 87 in the paperback. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring Marcus Parks and Sina Gosnavi. Darkness encompassed me. I saw only a flash of green and gold before the warmth of Tamlin's body slammed into me and our lips met. I couldn't kiss him deeply enough, couldn't hold him tightly enough, couldn't touch enough of him. Words weren't necessary. I tore at his shirt, needing to feel the skin beneath one last time, and I had to stifle the moan that rose up in me as he grasped my breast. I didn't want him to be gentle, because what I felt for him wasn't at all like that. What I felt was wild and hard and burning, and so he was with me. He tore his lips from mine and bit my neck, bit it as he had on fire night. I had to grind my teeth to keep myself from moaning and giving us away. This might be the last time I touched him, the last time we would be together. I wouldn't waste it. My fingers grappled with his belt buckle, and his mouth found mine again. Our tongues danced not a waltz or a minuet, but a war dance, a death dance of bone drums and screaming fiddles. I tossed away his belt and started fumbling for his pants. Someone coughed. <coughs> Shameful, Ryzen purred, and we whirled to find him faintly illuminated by the light that broke in through the doorway. He stalked towards us. Tamlin remained holding me. Look at what you've done to my pet. Panting, neither of us said anything, but the air became a cold kiss upon my skin, upon my exposed breasts. Amarantha would be greatly aggrieved if she knew her little warrior was dallying with the human help. Ryzand went on, crossing his arms. 
I wonder how she'd punish you. Ryzen chuckled. If you're that desperate for release, you should have asked me. Pig, I snapped, covering my breasts with the folds of my gown. With a few easy steps, he crossed the distance between us and pinned my arms to the wall. My bones groaned. I could have sworn shadow talons dug into the stones beside my head. Do you actually intend to put yourself at my mercy? Or are you truly that stupid? What do you care? I barked, and his grip tightened enough on my wrist that I knew my bones would snap with a little more pressure. What do I care? He breathed, wrath-twisting his features. Wings, those membranous, glorious wings, flared from his back, crafted from the shadows behind him. What do I care? But before he could go on, his head snapped to the door, then back to my face. The wings vanished as quickly as they had appeared, and then his lips were crushing into mine. His tongue pried my mouth open, forcing himself into me, into the space where I could still taste Tamlin. I pushed and thrashed, but he held firm, his tongue sweeping over the roof of my mouth against my teeth, claiming my mouth, claiming me. So what happened to the other guy? I don't know. <laughs> the other guy, is he now, he got cucked, it seems like. It seems like, but there was no, it, it didn't, I, she covered her breast with the folds of her gown, he crossed the distance between and us, yeah. the arms to the wall. It's like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Yeah. How about a little, you know, consent is sexy kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe yeah. that's the thing it about is. it, but still, the other guy, what's I going on with Tamlin? It's not like any threesome I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> hey babies for more fairy talk and hot touch join us every week here on lpn deep dives akatar available wherever you get your podcasts this show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.